0: Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Dr. Colin Zhu and thank you so much for being here with us. This is the Thrive Bites podcast and welcome to season five. Here we talk about three things, plant-powered living, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview the most passionate guests here, ranging from physicians to coaches, to dietitians, to entrepreneurs. And my hope is to give you really informative and high-valued conversations. So please Follow us here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you hear your podcasts. Come on in, and I can't wait to see you inside. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. Uh, For this episode, I am interviewing uh, Sheen Towers, and uh, he is a great individual. We talk a lot about self-liberation from our thoughts. Um, that communication, that uh, talk, that chatterbox that we have, um, that creates these self-limiting, um, you know, beliefs. Um, and I think it's a great episode. Um, it really dives really, really deep into, you know, how we treat ourselves at the end of the day, and how we've evolved as a human being, um, you know, with that and. What kind of implications, complications, and effects have had in, in our lives? So uh, Sheen Towers is you know uh, an amazing individual, very multifaceted. so you know I definitely invite you to uh, join us on this conversation. And uh, please be sure to hop onto Apple Podcasts and rate uh, Thrive Bites and give us you know, a thumbs up, five-star rating. Uh, I really appreciate it um, if you do so. So um, on to the next episode. Okay, guys, well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you've decided to spend just a few moments with us today, and I am eternally grateful. So uh, today we have a wonderful guest uh, for today's session. Um, His name is Sheen Towers, and he is a London-based hypnotherapist. Um, He has been helping people... Uh, to transform how they speak towards themselves for the best part of two decades. And I don't know about you, um, but we all have this monkey brain and chatterbox um, and internal dialogue that we have. And uh, through his processes, he's... Uh, Uh, developed a simple yet profound understanding. Um, He has successfully helped many who have suffered trauma, abuse, depression, and anxiety. Um, He is also the co-founder of the dialogue of self liberation, and he loves sharing his practical transformational system online, helping people to develop the mindfulness of self communication and nurture self forgiveness and self compassion. Um, He is also um, hosting Uh, The Dialogue for Self-Liberation through Global Community Calls, where he provides continuing support to people around the world who wish to improve and enhance the quality of their self-communications. And he is also a lifelong martial artist, develops seated Qigong for people with mobility challenges, and also teaches workshops at sword punk traditional weapons uh, uh, weapons, w- traditional weapons training festival in the UK. So uh, without further ado,
1: please welcome uh, Sheen Towers. Hey, hello. <laughs> hello there, Colin. Very good to see you, So Thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast.
0: I am uh, very, very stoked uh, for you to be here. Um, and uh, please let us know where you are calling from. Um, well,
1: in the uh, the information that you uh, read out there about me, it said that I'm a London-based therapist. Well, uh, I was for 17 years or so, uh, and um, but I've moved recently to uh, Glastonbury in Somerset in the United Kingdom, which is uh, where I'm speaking to you from now. Just uh, if you've seen Glastonbury tour, the hill with the tower on it, uh, it's just <laughs> over there. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. I I've yet to really fully immerse myself into the UK and surrounding areas, so uh, I'll definitely need a map. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, number one, thank you so much for coming onto the show, um, taking the time out to uh, share with us. Um, a little bit about what you do, and I find your work very, very interesting. And when we had connected um, offline, um, you know, you dwell a lot deeper into not just mindfulness um, that, you know, all of us have some, you know, good, broad understanding of, but you talk deeper into uh, self-communications, the internal dialogue um, you what you create is called the dialogue for self liberation and I find that very fascinating so I like to have my guests uh, talk about their origin story so what was the inspiration for you to go into the field um, to really help others navigate this self-communication i like to call the chatterbox um, i mm. like to call you know this uh, monkey brain that we have this mm. internal dialogue that we have to ultimately create uh tdsl or the dialogue of self-liberation how did that get started uh, for you
1: okay thank you it's a, a lovely question to start with um, so I never wanted to be a therapist and uh, the the thought never really entered my head. But I had the good fortune to be introduced to a man who became my teacher as a therapist. His name was uh, Vernon Bell. He's more famously known as the founding father of the British Karate movement here in 1957. But he was also a founder member of the British Association of Therapeutic Hypnotists in 1951. It's the oldest regulatory body for hypnotherapy in the United Kingdom. And um, one day he just plainly, bluntly asked if I wished to study with him, uh, study hypnotherapy in particular. And uh, he was constantly studying himself in his living room. He had. Um, all over the walls uh, in frames, certificates uh, of his continued professional learning and development dating back from the 1950s. Um, And so uh, I started to study with him, but I had no idea what I'd be in for. I studied with him for the last four years of his life. And he uh, he was very skillful in the way he worked with me in order to study with him he basically took me through a process and this process helped me to identify how i'd been communicating toward myself through um replaying old hurtful memories of past upsets and traumas and uh, and experiences of abuse of one kind or another and um or else imagining a future in which I continued to feel rubbish about myself. I've always been a glass half full person. Anyone that's known me for a long time would probably describe me uh, like that, an optimist by nature. But uh, unbeknown to anybody else in the background, when I was on my own, never in the company of other people, but when I was on my own, I became... Uh, very spiteful toward myself in the way I was speaking to myself about myself. I picked up, uh, certain beliefs about myself due to experiences I had in my past. And those unconsciously set up patterns of very self depreciating, uh, and eventually self abusive patterns of, uh, self talk. And, um, uh, I became very skillful at beating myself up quietly in the background and giving myself a very hard time in the way I spoke to myself about myself. I would picked up certain stories that I would reinforce. I would unconsciously be reinforcing by communicating repetitively over and over in my mind uh, about these very negative or self-limiting or self-defeating stories And I believed that I knew myself very, very well and that life had just taught me this is who I am, this is how life is, this is what life has taught me, and therefore this is how it's always going to be. But I didn't realise I was doing it. So uh, Vernon, who was my teacher, he took me through a process. Um, Firstly, he helped me to uh, understand that if we we wish to learn from our past – then and stop repeating the same old patterns and re-experiencing the same old upsets and trauma, then we need to understand how to stop communicating toward ourselves or toward other people about our past suffering as if it's happening again now in the present Mm. tense or as if it's going to happen again in the future Mm. and we set ourselves up with the expectation and the assumption we program our subconscious by speaking about the future in in a particular way which is self-limiting or self-abusive or self-pitying or mm. self-defeating but we don't realize that that's what we're doing because uh, it's a very subtle uh, skill which we we've developed over the years of speaking about the past as if it were the present or the future mm. And uh, and I spent 20 years or more of my life doing exactly that, and uh, and I became very skillful at giving myself a hard time. So he helped me to identify those patterns and then taught me how to let go of the habit of communicating in those ways toward myself. And, um, yeah, sure enough, over time, it's uh, totally transformed my use of language, the way I use words the way I communicate not only to myself, but in general to, Mm. to people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've been working professionally for 20 years now, helping people, uh, by passing on the understanding he passed on to me, to the people that come to see me for help.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's very, very interesting. Um, I, I love how you basically were able to kind of sit, you know, with yourself with, uh, your teacher, um, and recollect recount process, go through all these different types of past traumatic experiences in one shape or another, and being able to almost like witness it, um, from the outside looking in, you know, I like to Mm -hmm. use the analogy of like a snow globe, you know, and, you know, you have this snow globe of, uh, you know, this internal dialogue that we each, you know, say to ourselves, you know, Um, Mm. I think, I think in a day we have, I think upwards of like 70,000 thoughts um, a day that we, uh, you know, kind of go through. Um, And I'm sure (laughs) probably a lot more than what we would like to admit to is directed towards ourselves um, in more of a a negative fashion uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to a positive fashion. Um, so based off of that, my question would be, if you are willing to, um, you know, can you share like some specific examples of, um, I guess, some experiences that you have um, gone through um, and, and how did, how did that become this repeating negative self-limiting belief you know like what <clears throat> what beliefs would you go into specifically um you know for us to kind of have a better understanding
1: okay um a very common this is a very common thing that over the years i've uh, i've noted as a a very self-limiting pattern that people pick up or a belief about themselves and and this is one of the ones that was a main thing for me was that I believed that I was uh, um, that I was broken and that I was not good enough and that I was a failure in relationships that relationships didn't work for me uh, and this was as a result of having uh, just. I could say randomly, but maybe there was a certain element of fate in in this um, i'll I'll come back to that I'll park that and I'll come back to that a little later that um, I ended up from a young age in relationships with women that uh, basically had a number of patterns themselves and habits themselves and uh, and um, I ended up experiencing um, betrayal, lies and deceit, rejection, and um, the accumulation of those experiences over time led me to believe or to adopt the belief that it must be my fault because there's obviously something wrong with me and that uh, um, relationships, conventional relationships, don't work for me. They never work for me
0: Mm.
1: because I don't obviously deserve to find love and happiness in my life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because there must be something wrong with me.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And the thing was, you see, I ended up replaying old memories of things that had happened in the past, uh, hurtful, spiteful things that were said or done, upsetting experiences here and there, and there were a lot of them. And it really accumulated, but I would replay those memories over and over and torment myself with them. Mm. And in my my creative imagination would go off on many offshoots of the possibilities that if only I would have said something different, if only I would have acted in a different way or reacted differently, if only I hadn't have done that, then I wonder what would happen. Then I go off in my imagination, imagining all kinds of variants, variations on mm. what may have gone differently. But mm-hmm. e- ultimately, they were all equally tormenting and, mm-hmm. uh, and upsetting. So I was just prolonging the torment, finding many inventive new ways to uh, to beat myself up and, uh, and justify the belief that I picked up along the way that it must be my fault because there's something wrong with me.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, This has been a pattern over the years. I've worked with many people who've been in abusive relationships or people. Let's stick to that for now, people who've been in abusive relationships. And uh, all too often, the person who's been abused becomes conditioned to accept the belief that it's their fault somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's because Mm -hmm. they do this that they get beaten or because they Mm -hmm. don't do such and such a thing that they get beaten Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. abused. And then they come to normalize it, and they accept those patterns and those beliefs, and they adopt those beliefs, and yeah. then they're conditioned beyond, sometimes beyond, the, the, the end of that relationship. And then mm-hmm. things repeat themselves because the person may be saying to themselves, well, I don't deserve love. I don't deserve anything but the kind of treatment that I've always got mm-hmm. because it must be mm-hmm. because there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then they would go from one abusive partner to another abusive partner, maybe in a different form.
0: Yeah. Just repeats Um, the pattern. mm. Yeah. Until Um, we
1: understand the, the the responsibility we have toward ourselves and the stories that we, we tell ourselves about ourselves.
0: From your, from your experiences and expertise, um, you know, why, why is it, you know, we hold on. I mean, this is my, um, theory presumption is why do we hold on to trauma more than, I guess, quote unquote, good experiences or positive experiences? Why do we hold on to trauma more? Um, Does it have to do more with, uh, I guess, our evolutionary state, you know, just, you know, coping mechanisms or, you know, survival mechanisms, or is there a kind of like a deeper underlying, um, I guess, understanding
1: to it? Um, well, there's, I'm going to offer this as a, as a um, potential answer to that, a possible answer to that question. And uh, this came from a very dear friend of mine. We were discussing this subject. Uh, his name's Paul. And um, I, I really do think that there's something in this that from a very young age, we're praised for holding on as a small child before when if we're wearing nappies. And uh, and then we're trying to be trained to use the toilet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If we don't hold on, we get told off. Mm-hmm. If we hold on until we're going to the toilet, then we get praised because we've mm-hmm. managed to hold on and then you can release in the appropriate way. Uh, but I think that there is some kind of very deep-rooted conditioning in that way. We're at school, we're taught to uh, hold on to facts. hmm times tables and things like this, facts and figures. And um, and we're praised for that. Mm-hmm. We're not taught how to let go. We're not taught how to lose. Mm-hmm. So everyone wants to be a winner. No one wants to be seen in, in the eyes of others as, or perceived as a loser
0: mm-hmm.
1: or a failure mm-hmm. or to have made a mistake. And sometimes, you know, people will swear blind that they haven't made a mistake. Yeah. And they'll blame it on everyone else but themselves mm-hmm. because they, they do not have the humility or the capacity to look at themselves and admit that they have made a mistake or failed yeah. or been beaten. And they pretend otherwise rather than accept responsibility for their own mm-hmm. mistakes. Now, uh, there was a, a saying attributed to a very famous Tai Chi master called Professor Cheng Man who used to say, apparently, uh, very often, he used to say, invest in loss. It's at the times where we make mistakes that we have the maximum uh, capacity to learn and to grow and to improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we look at the mistakes and think, we're prepared to think, yep, yeah, I failed there, or I was beaten then, or I made a mistake. So, mm-hmm. how can I learn? from observing how that happened so that i no longer make that kind of mistake as i did then mm-hmm. and it's through our, our our failures that we grow and yeah you know, for sure. the proliferation of the human being is an example great example of of how we 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 can survive we can grow and, and evolve in spite mm-hmm. of the fact that we've made plenty of mistakes In the past, but um, I think culturally we've become conditioned to, uh, you know, the thought of failure or having made a mistake is somehow abhorrent to people. They they don't Mm. people lose face. It's a very common thing in certain cultures. It's almost the worst kind of thing is to lose face in front of other people. For sure, for sure, Yeah? yeah.
0: Uh, coming from a, uh, from a Chinese background, you know, Mm -hmm. there is very, very, you know, um, obvious examples, um, whether, and this could be an entirely different episode, but like, you know, whether it's, Mm uh, with Mark's academics, with career goals, um, Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, different achieving certain types of social status, um, hierarchy, things like that. Um, and if you're Unable in the eyes of others within your cultural slash, you know, ethnic group, um, then in a way, you know, you're kind of cast aside. You know, you're not really. Um, mm. I was saying this to another person, um, you know, it's almost as equivalent as your. Your worthiness as a human being you know if you don't achieve x y and z in either making a certain amount of money um social class career Mm -hmm. job you know things like that um it's almost like you know it's equated um by your worthiness as a human being and Mm -hmm. that's very um very interesting right um obviously different people from uh, various mm. life experiences, cultural backgrounds have different viewpoints on it. And, mm. but I do find it very interesting how you're saying that society, societally, um, you know, uh, you know, as a, you know, as our modern society, we don't really put too much pause and understanding, processing, learning ultimately from missteps, mistakes, and failures. Um, mm. And it's really there's more of a negative light, um, to it and we don't really go deeper into it. And I think it's a very important, uh, uh, discussion and conversation, you know, from honestly, from out of the womb, you know, um, you know, I, I think the earlier, the better, you know, for us to really evolve, um, more mentally, socially, um, as mm. human beings. So, you know, so I appreciate yes.
1: that. So so based on what you were saying, here's an example, a real world example of uh, um, somebody that uh, came to see me for help some time ago, who was told by a parent who really the parent only wanted them to, to, to focus and do the very best and to get the best grades possible and get the best job possible with uh, earning the most money and so on. So their motivation was good. But at the time this uh, this young person was about sixteen years old and had been uh, told by a, the father that um, if you continue to enjoy yourself then you will be a failure in your professional career yeah so consequently this person who ended up uh, when I was uh, helping them in their sixties had spent the whole adult life Mm -hmm. disallowing themselves pleasure
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and fun Mm -hmm. and had ended up believing that they they, they can't have that because they haven't achieved the success that they are meant to achieve Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yet were obviously very successful but you see it was almost like the programming caused them to believe that it was never enough and that they, they weren't allowed to enjoy themselves because if they did, then they would never achieve that, that goal. Mm-hmm. 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 And to carry yeah. around such a belief for the majority of one's adult life, you know, from 16 to six, 60 something. <laughs> it's But this is what people do. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, how would you say you know before we go into you know your overall process um you know after your years of learning and you know um uh, tutelage from your teacher um mm-hmm. why would you say uh, this kind of communication with ourselves right because you use the 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 words of vocabulary self communication and then ultimately self liberation right In terms of a wellness perspective, how is it detrimental, right? You've cited real world, you know, examples, right? Like in what ways have you seen or observed it being detrimental to a person's life?
1: Well, in my own life, making myself extremely unhappy, um, and, uh, holding myself back and, uh, putting myself down to the point of, uh, I'm feeling extremely stuck. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a
0: short break, but don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. This is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, AKA The Chef Doc. I just wanna take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something. Something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not what I found instead was that life was a process and learning about life was also a process and a practice and that the state of happiness and the state of joy and a contentment was also a practice. For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, After seeking extra help, I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash thechefdoc, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for ThriveBite listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash thechefdoc, T-H-E-C-H-E-F-D-O-C. Thank you for listening, guys, and back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back
1: to the interview. And all too familiar with, uh, as I would put it, uh, the clients uh, that come to see me for help when I describe my own process because it helps them to understand mm. where I'm coming from with this. Um, is that I became familiar with the feeling of sitting in a cold, damp, soggy, shivery puddle and that somehow I believed that was my lot in life and each time I ended up back in that puddle um, Mm -hmm. I felt somehow like this is where I'm supposed to be, like this is just the way it is and uh, and there was a strange sense of, like, a warped sense of comfort and familiarity with it. It's it's very strange what people normalise. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That people normalise abuse, whether it's uh, um, inflicted by other people or from ourselves toward ourselves, we normalise mm-hmm. that behaviour and think that somehow it's okay. Um, so. It can be terribly detrimental to the point where that those kind of negative self-communications, self-abusive, self-communications, lack of self-worth is extremely common. The mm-hmm. most common phrase I've heard over all the years of working with people is uh, the belief, I'm not good enough. Yep, and yep. In so many different cases, so many different types of people and backgrounds of, and experiences that they may have been through, but that's a really common pattern. I'm not yeah. good enough, and um, so in some cases that can that can be held so strongly that belief, and it can cause such a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, for escape, people turn to drink and drugs and various other things as an escape, and then that just compounds the issue, and then yep. eventually sometimes people feel such a sense of despair that they they think, well, what's the point? Yeah, and they consider yeah. taking their own lives. And uh, I have worked with a good number of people over the years who've been in that state when they've come to see me. And yet, when it's 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 explained clearly to them that they are not the stories they've been that they've picked up mm-hmm. along the way that they've been telling themselves about themselves. That's a mm -hmm. different thing. That's the clutter that's accumulated largely due to circumstances outside of our control, i.e., other people's ignorance or abuse or neglect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But that has nothing to do with who that human being is beneath that clutter. So it really it, it becomes a process of rediscovery. You know, identifying the clutter, removing the clutter and so that creating a sense of separation between the sense of self in the individual and the clutter that's accumulated along the way because that's mm. not them
0: it's almost well, uh, when you're descri- when you're describing that it i was picturing layers and layers of uh, jackets and blazers mm, you know just mm, kind mm. of compiling on that person and it's almost like uh, that or i think of an onion you know it's like you're mm. You know, taking off the layers to kind of get to that core of that human being. Mm. Um, uh, So, from this, what you've been saying, you know, it makes me think of our current times. You know, we're Mm. currently in our third year of the pandemic. Um, Obviously, you know, everyone has um, an idea of what it has done globally in terms of mental health cases and, you know, things like that. Um, Would you say, uh, I'm going to kind of meld this into one question, two different questions is with that kind of context, do you find it you know, more important now than ever to be able to uh, change this type of dialogue, this type of self-communication um, or narr- narratives um, about how we talk to people? Um, you know, ourselves? Is it very important to, you know, now more than ever, um, you know, before the pandemic, you know, from your work, you know, to kind of help this because of the fact that we have this new context of a pandemic that has, you know, kind of unearthed, um, you know, just this crack foundation, um, whether someone hasn't sought help, uh, sought therapy, um, haven't really took a deeper dive within themselves um, to really you know take off
1: these layers um, per se that's a really great question Colin that's a great question so um, i think that the uh, the the pause worldwide caused by the pandemic and the lockdowns it's created a compounding in some respects of uh, people's Already existent um, uh, depression, anxiety, anxiety very much has uh, mm-hmm. been heightened, largely because of the uh, the world press and media, and the particular um, spin that they put on on things. Um, but people not knowing what's going on and fearing the worst. And and being fed lots of fear-based information
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and um, being locked away sometimes uh, out of the fear of catching COVID, not going out, not seeing family or friends. And uh, this has a very, very strong, very potentially uh, damaging effect on uh, our um, mental and emotional well-being, but also our physical well-being as well, not getting out, not getting sunshine and fresh air and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I lost my best friend uh, on the 1st of December last year, and he had health issues for many years, but because of the lockdown, he basically preempted the uh, the social isolation um, by probably nearly a month or so, so from the beginning of March 2020, just shut himself away in his, in his flat and hardly saw uh, another human being in person mm-hmm. because he was so afraid of, of, of catching the virus mm-hmm. because of his physical frailty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that had a very detrimental effect on him mentally and emotionally and uh, he he tried to be positive but really he he became very very um very low low moods very anxious and um yeah so so i think on the one level it's definitely uh created greater anxiety in many people however that pause where the way that we've been doing things in society mm-hmm. stopped. And it caused us to kind of have a little bit of a break and a little bit of a reassessment period. Mm-hmm. And it also provided sometimes people, you know, going to work every day, you don't have time to think about yourself, your relationship with yourself, mm-hmm. and we just get on with it from day to day and we yeah. avoid really taking the opportunity to look at ourselves in a very courageous and mm-hmm. um, open Uh, transparent kind of way and to look at well how how am i within myself about myself how am i feeling about myself what am i communicating toward myself from day to day and is that helpful or is it hindering me is it abusive uh is it unhelpful and so it has actually provided many people with an opportunity to to reassess things and think okay So here's a a parallel here, potentially. What in society can we now identify as a a framework or an institution which is somehow dysfunctional, that Mm. doesn't really work?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And if we can become aware of the dysfunction, then we have an opportunity to change it. It's when we're not aware of it that it just perpetuates. Mm -hmm. And then likewise within ourselves, we can ask ourselves the same thing. Well, what? dysfunctional patterns and uh, habits maybe have I picked up along the way
0: mm-hmm. that
1: no longer serve me. Mm-hmm. If we want to, there's the, the great saying uh, of um, uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, be the change you want to see in the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think by by changing ourselves, by choosing to take this as I refer to it as taking the courageous path, which is choosing to look at ourselves Mm -hmm. in a very honest and and courageous way to identify those unhelpful beliefs we picked up along the way, patterns and habits of negative self-communication. And then having identified them, then we can begin to let go of those habits.
0: Yeah. Because we've
1: identified them.
0: Yeah. What, what, uh, what I was thinking when you were saying all that is, you know, I, I definitely, you know, agree is the awareness Um, is number one, the awareness. And then number two, prioritizing to kind of process what you have been through the talk, um, the communication, the narrative, and then finding solutions um, or at least seeking help um and support to assist you, right? And what I was thinking of when you're saying is that, you know, my observations as a GP, as a family uh, practitioner, and having, you know, cross paths with thousands of people, um, is the fact that I think modern society, you know, especially Western, you know, modern civilizations, uh Tend to just be distracted, especially in our current informational social media age. Very distractful, very noisy. Um, and we also tend to uh, really, really keep ourselves busy. Busy, busy, busy sometimes to the point of not even being productive or just conditioned to just be busy. And when you're describing how, you know, actually, you know, pausing, you know, uh, taking the time out to break it down, that takes time. That takes time. That takes space. That takes solitude. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this modern era, um, you know, it's, it's challenging. Um, you almost have to carve it out out of your busy schedule, the way you would carve out, you know, physical activity, exercise and going to the gym. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's, you know, kind of sad <laughs> in a way. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how we you know operate. That's number one. The second thing I thought of is lack of resources, you know, um, you know, self-improvement, personal development, self-care. These were not concepts that were taught to me you know, growing up, right. Um, it was not taught to me during any of my grade school. Um, you know, um, you know, everything, you know, medical training, training, you know, things like that, you know, um, I don't know how it's, you know, taught or not taught in other societies and, um, you know, countries, um, outside of the U S but this is, you know, what I've, you know, observed. So it's a couple of things, you know, it's awareness, the time to process things and having the tool set, the toolbox of resources. And, you know, it's one of the motivations of why I created this platform, one of the motivations of why you created, you know, your process, right? Um, which leads me to my next question. Um, can you give us a snapshot on, you know, kind of like the system and process of how you, you know, help a client, um, you know, through? uh tdso Mm. or the dialogue of self-liberation
1: thank you um well just responding to what you just said there um i agree with you completely that uh there there was something that was said to me by a gentleman i had the good fortune to know years ago who was a very wise fellow and he he said uh sometimes we need to take a step backward in order to move forward Like you say, we need to carve out time sometimes from our mm. whatever doing of things mm-hmm. to to focus on work that can really help to uh, to transform our um, perceptions of anything it could be, but particularly our relationship toward ourselves mm-hmm. and our direction in life, our our happiness, um, and so. Um one of the things that I say to clients uh, very early on when they come to see me is is that um I have great respect for them because they've chosen to take that step out of their daily toing and froing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to to come and speak to a total stranger about things which are generally very, very deeply personal. Sometimes, um, all too often, actually, people uh, end up speaking about things that they've never spoken to another human being about, Mm -hmm. things that have been burdening them for many, many years. And that takes courage. It takes self-determination. And and, uh, I have great respect for people who choose to, to as I refer to it, pursue the courageous path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and um so i would say if you're if a person's really fed up of feeling how they've been feeling and they want to begin to feel differently about themselves then um you you absolutely need to take time to address this with the respect and the care that it deserves mm-hmm. like for for instance um uh I often say to people, if uh, it, it's how wrong it is that we have been conditioned societally to. Generally speaking, we'd never dream of speaking to another human being in a um, an abusive way, spiteful way, putting them down, trying to convince them that they're rubbish. Hmm. Uh, especially, I often say, uh, imagine a, a young person, like maybe a a small child. If you've got children or you have other family members or friends who have children, uh, that if you imagine a grown-up standing over them and you happen to witness this grown-up wagging a finger and shouting and yelling at them saying, you're stupid, you're useless, you're never going to amount to anything in life, you're Mm -hmm. ugly, everyone thinks you're ugly and you're stupid and you're always going to be that way, you're going to be a failure, we would be outraged. Mm. And we jump in there without a single second thought to defend that child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow we've become conditioned to accept that it's somehow okay for us to speak like that to ourselves about Mm. ourselves. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. so wrong. We -hmm. just, we just have become conditioned to accept that that's somehow okay, but it's so wrong. Mm -hmm. So we need to address this. We need to have that same like feeling of uh, like, I'm not standing for that. I will no longer tolerate that and kind of, you know, become that defender toward ourselves. Mm -hmm. But -hmm. we need to take the time out of our normal daily routines to really begin to look at this. What have I been saying to myself about myself? What are the stories I picked up along the way? And what am I fed up with experiencing? What am I fed up with believing about myself? So, and I, uh, again, I, there's a lot of I use a lot of metaphor and symbolism, and a lot of little sayings in the work that I do. So, uh, one of them being is uh, is um, how can we possibly let go of something if we're not even aware that we're carrying it? Mm-hmm. And very often, like I was unaware of how I was communicating to myself for 20 years or more of my life. Mm. I just believed that was just it's just the way I am. <laughs> and That's yeah. just how life is. Um, But uh, when we realise that we have the capacity to reassess this and and begin to uh, slowly identify the unhelpful stories we've been telling ourselves and then begin to no longer drag them around with us or project them into the future in our self-communications, in our imagination with the expectation and the assumption that we're just going to continue to repeat the same experiences. And meet up with the same uh, rubbishy experiences in life, or believe that we're just going to continue to be a failure or an even worse failure mm-hmm. in, in years to come.
0: Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I love, um, I love how we've been able to kind of break this down um, in terms of the essence of that kind of self-communication, the language, the narrative. Um, And it's super, super important to take a pause, um, to really dive deeper, even when it's scary, even when, you know, we don't want to address certain things. um, We keep it hidden, like, you know, like under the rug or in the closet and never want to look at it again. Mm-hmm. Um And we've been conditioned by society, by sometimes family, um, you know, your community, cultural background to really, really, uh, like we talked about, give so much praise towards the positive attributes and not really talk about the negative quote unquote attributes mm-hmm. instead of converting that um or you know, kind of, uh, uh, transforming that language into something where you learn from, you grow from, and you're absolutely right. I agree with you where, you know, that's where the growth happens is where, Mm -hmm. you know, you meet a certain challenge or obstacle. And in this case, we're referring to the language and the, you know, the mental and this, you know, self-talk, you know, these can represent challenges that we have to, uh, metaphorically jump over. So, Um, yeah, I love it. You know, we can talk on forever. Um, I want to, um, you know, uh, hear a little bit about before we conclude, um, how you personally thrive in your own life. This is a podcast about creating a thriving mindset. So, you know, obviously, we, uh, you know, have gone deep in terms of, you know, your overall learning, eventual professional, you know, process. Um, But are there other things that you do to kind of supplement uh, to help you, you know, better thrive in your own life? And then let us know, how do people reach out to you? How do they find your work?
1: Okay, thank you. Um, uh, One thing that's really, really important is uh, the the practice of forgiveness. Um, We need to learn how to forgive ourselves for whatever mistakes we may have made in the past or misjudging things or failures. Um, because how could we possibly learn we, we didn't know any different at the time how we didn't we were ill-equipped at the time to deal with things in any different kind of way. So we need to understand that it's really important that we forgive ourselves. And therefore, through forgiving ourselves and with consistent work on ourselves over time, transforming how we communicate toward ourselves about ourselves, we can become genuinely compassionate in our self-communications, in the way we we speak to ourselves about ourselves and treat ourselves with compassion. Therefore, when we learn how to do this, then we can understand progressively how to become more compassionate in our dealings with people around us and the world in general. And I think that's what the world needs more of, is people who've learned how to overcome mm-hmm. Uh, and transform habits of uh, unnecessary suffering and self-persecution uh, so that we can learn how to uh, counterbalance the the you know those forces in the world really and uh, it's by changing ourselves that we can we can begin to do that so for me personally uh, I have a regular practice I practice um, qigong which is chinese therapeutic exercise and meditation and I've been practicing this and studying this since I was about 17 years old. Uh, I'm now 56, coming on 57, and um, I love it very much, as well as a number of other uh, martial arts. And uh, I, I am a student of a gentleman who has a school in Columbus, Ohio, Ohio, in the USA. Uh, his name's Sifu Nathan Manajid, and I study what he refers to as the Three Current Tradition, which is with reference to his three teachers. But in particular, I study a, 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 an art called Liuhe Ba Fa, Six Harmonies, Eight Methods Boxing, and its common name is Waterform. And it's a, it's a very beautiful, beautiful art. And um, yeah, it's a deeply philosophically um, intriguing (laughs) as a study Um, and it's something which uh, i find is very healing Mm. to take time uh, in the day to to move and to to breathe Mm. to to study structure fluidity softness yielding gentleness Mm. um, uh, spontaneity And These kind of things. This helps me greatly, and I'm also uh, a musician. I've been playing bass guitar since I was at the same age, 17 years old. <laughs> I love it very much. It's my therapy, and uh, um, so anything involving physical movement, um, any of the movement-based arts, I thoroughly encourage people to 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 move and and celebrate the fact that yeah. we we have the ability to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, in whatever capacity um, they they're able to move I've worked uh, a lot over the years with people with various types of limited mobility with uh, Parkinson's or um, multiple sclerosis in particular and uh, elderly people uh, with various kind of age-related uh, challenges and uh, it's it's still a wonderful thing that we can we can maybe uh, sit in a chair and still move and breathe and exercise the body and uh, uh, harmonize the emotions and work with the mind as well, focused uh, mental work as well, yeah. training the mind. So these these kind of things make me happy, um, keep me <laughs> uh, engaged and celebrating awesome. being alive, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, Su- super important, uh, more profound, you know, in our current context. So... Um, How do people find you and your work um, if they wanted a consultation?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I would ask people to uh, um, get in touch via the website that I have, which is learntdsl.com. Learn TDSL. TDSL is an abbreviation for the Dialogue of Self-Liberation. Uh, so yes, learntdsl.com. There are various uh, courses available where I teach the uh, the understanding and the specifics of this, how to transform the quality of our self communications, and uh, I also work with individual clients and and small groups as well. Great. Uh, Great. We're in. We're also. Uh, I say we. It's myself and my my dear friend and and business partner Peter oh. Truman, who's uh, in Cambodia, and uh, we're in. Uh, um having talks with a publishing company with uh, a book which we're creating at the moment uh, mm-hmm. about this. So uh, we'll provide details of that as and when it becomes available on the website. Great,
0: great. great. That sounds exciting. Um, uh, Sheen, thank you so much for taking the time out to kind of go over this very, very important topic um, and I'm sure a lot of our audience members, uh, have gotten a lot from it. I've definitely gotten a lot from it and, uh, take the steps, uh, whether it's on their own or with the assistance and support, um, of others. Um, hopefully they can go towards your direction and kind of get more insight to themselves. Um, and just honestly, the go back to the beginning and first steps of their own healing process. I think that's Pretty much what the world needs is uh, a lot more healing um, instead of, you know, really breaking each other down um, in so many different ways. So I thank you very much for taking the time out, um, you know, to spend it with us today.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Colin. It was a great pleasure speaking with you. Same here. Um, Guys,
0: uh, thank you so much for watching this episode of Bites. If you like this, um, please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And until the next episode, please say uh, goodbye to Sheen for me.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you like this, please like, follow, and subscribe. And please follow us for the latest updates for this season, season five. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you so much again. And we will see you on the next one.